going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's the first. That's where we're going to spend most of our time tonight. The scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Unfortunately, the Lord's Supper, it's you know, like everything in Christianity. Um, other religions have kind of taken these things and hijacked them and made them almost seem weird. And uh, they, they come up with all these crazy things. Um, how many in here have heard of transubstantiation? Alright, that's where they believe that the juice actually, or wine in their case, actually turns into the blood of Jesus Christ. The actual blood and the bread turns into the actual body of Jesus Christ, which is really pretty creepy if you stop and think about it. And I think you're going to see in the scriptures, you know, that that is absolutely not what it's all about. And uh, it's something that is. It is very special. It's very it's very important, and a lot of people too. Some religions, you know, they look at it as one of the things that you have to do to kind of be saved, kind of to be complete. And uh, no, the Lord's Supper, while it is special, while it is it is something for saved people, it doesn't save you. Um, you know, the thief on the cross, he never took the Lord's Supper, and um, it's not something that gets you in heaven. And many people they look at the Lord's Supper. It's kind of this, you know, religious experience that they can have, and it really hurts them spiritually when they take it when they shouldn't be. You are really, really hurting that person spiritually, especially in our culture when you've got, especially in an area like this too, where there's a lot of Catholic folks that really make a big deal out of these things, and for the wrong reason. And I think the Lord's Supper is a big deal, but not for the same reasons that they do. And so I think it's important to understand it. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll read verse 23. It says, All things, or no, I'm in chapter 10. I'm in chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Notice he said that twice. If you eat or drink unworthily, eat or drink damnation. And we've been talking about this when we go through the book of Judges, when God repeats something, it's not because he didn't it's not because he ran out of something to say. It's he's trying to emphasize the importance of it. And the Lord's Supper, it's one of the two ordinances that God has given to the local church. The first one, of course, being baptism. Baptism, it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you see somebody get up there in the baptistry and they're standing there, that's kind of it's a representation, okay? It's a representation of them when they were still in their sins. And then uh, they go and they, they're standing there and then you put them under the water, 
You bring them up out of the water. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. Of course, Jesus on the cross, His death, and then His burial, and then that resurrection. And all that, it's all a picture of Christ. It's all pointing at Christ. And so anytime anybody sees you doing that, anybody sees you getting baptized, it's identifying you with Him. It's something that uh, it's something that is just for God's people. It's something that's just for the Christians to do. It identifies you with Christ, and that's why uh, we don't baptize a baby. Okay, a baby can't make that decision to do that. For somebody to get saved, for somebody to identify themselves with Christ, they have to they have to get saved. A baby cannot do that. A real small child is not able to do that until they come to the point where they realize they're a sinner and they want that gift of salvation and they call on God for it. When they do that, then they can do that. Then they can identify themselves with Jesus Christ. And everybody's fine with that. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. It identifies you with Him. It identifies you with His church. It's something that Christ did to His... Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. But then Jesus, He also baptized His disciples. And His disciples, I believe, were the only ones He baptized. But then those disciples, they went and they baptized other people. And they became a part of that church. And so, baptism identifies you with Christ, but it also identifies you with His church. I don't believe I have the right to go and... You know, me just if I just decide, you know what? On my own, I'm just going to go baptize people because I want to, and it's a good thing. No, it's something that you do under the authority of the church, of the local church. It's not something that just anybody does. Okay, it's something that it's got to be done in the right way. And the Lord's Supper is also the same thing. The Lord's Supper it identifies us with Jesus Christ. It's something that we do that's a testimony of who we are as Christians. And we'll see that as we go through this passage. But first off, we see that the bread, it's a picture of the body of Christ that was broken. It says in verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Okay? Now, is Jesus saying that bread just turned into my body? No, it wasn't that at all. It's just like when you've seen that before when preachers will use somebody as an illustration. Like I, you know, like I, if I ask Tommy to come over, I said, "All right, Tommy, we're going to have you represent Jesus Christ tonight." All right. So right here we have we have Jesus right here. Am I saying that he's Jesus? No, I'm just saying tonight he's representing him. And that bread that we're going to be taking a little bit it represents Jesus Christ. He's trying to show us a picture. He took that bread and he broke that bread, and it was a and it's a reminder of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken. It's a reminder to us of the sufferings that Jesus went through on the cross. Go ahead and go to Matthew chapter twenty-seven and verse twenty-six. I think it's very important. We're remembering Christ. That's what the Lord's Supper is all about. We're remembering what He did for us. And so I think it's good to go back and just look at it and see what He did for us. But Matthew chapter 27 and verse... I keep going to the wrong chapters tonight. Verse 26. It says, Then released He Barabbas unto them, and when He had scourged Jesus, He delivered Him to be crucified. 
I'll tell you, Barabbas, he's one that ought to remind he reminds me of me. And he ought to remind you, all of us, of yourself. Because Jesus Christ, he took Barabbas' place on that cross, and Barabbas is a picture of the sinner. You and I, and he took our place on the cross. And then verse 27, then the soldiers and the governors took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyselves. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and elders, saying, said he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and he will, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. From that sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, The man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Jesus Christ, He died a horrible death. And His body, it was broken for you and I. It was That was our payment that He was paying. And I'm here to tell you that it's something that we need to remind ourselves very often of. Not just at the Lord's Supper. That's a time when us as a church, we come together and we remember these things. But it's something that all of us, we ought, we need to make sure we do on a regular basis. Remind yourself of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. That bread that we're going to be taking tonight, it's a reminder. It's a picture. It's not the body of Jesus, but it represents it. His body that was broken for us. The grape juice is also a picture of the blood of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. Go back there. And notice how I'm calling it grape juice. It's like, well, the Bible calls it wine. Yes, it does, but we'll see here that that wine that Jesus drank was not an alcoholic wine, that it was, in fact, grape juice. You can see that very clearly in the Scriptures. But verse 25, after the same manner also He took the cup when He had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in My blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it, 
in remembrance of Me. He said, do this in remembrance of Me. But also, if you go back, we're not going to take time to read the whole thing. It's the same story. But when Jesus was eating that Last Supper with His disciples, Jesus told the disciples that I will not drink this fruit of the vine again. Okay, Why would He call it fruit of the vine? Because it was... It was fruit. It was juice. It wasn't fermented. You know, Jesus. Well, what about when Jesus turned the water into wine? God who makes all things new, He doesn't make old rotting stuff. He makes new things. The uh, when they when they drank that wine in that story, He's like, "Why are we drinking this last?" Usually, they would drink the newest first, and then go to the oldest. And all of a sudden, they're drinking. He's like, "Why? Why are we drinking this?" Last. This should have been first. It was the best wine there. You know why? Because it was the newest. That's how Jesus makes things. And Jesus said, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine again. Think about Jesus Christ. He called it the fruit of the vine because that's what it was. And it's a picture of the blood of Christ. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Read a verse there for you. Verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that He was dead already, they break not His legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced His side and forthwith came there out blood and water. Jesus Christ, He had to shed His blood. Without the shedding of blood, no payment could be made. Abel, when he sacrificed that lamb, it was a reminder to God of what He would someday have to do. And of what something that he would have to see his son go through. Abraham, his willingness to sacrifice Isaac, it was a picture of what God was willing to do for us. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, and God didn't allow him to do that. But that whole story is a reminder of that. All of the Old Testament sacrifices were the Israelites showing their faith in a coming Messiah. It was something that they did as their faith that they had in the Old Testament was a faith in what was to come. Our faith that we have is a faith in something that's already taken place. And the blood of Christ is something that is so important. That blood that Jesus Christ shed was absolutely necessary for us to be able to be cleansed and for us to be able to find salvation. And that's why we don't mind singing songs like Nothing But the Blood and Saved by the Blood. That's why we don't go using Bibles that have taken many of the references to the blood of Christ out. That's one thing that's very common if you go and you try other versions of the Bible. There's a lot of the verses about the blood they take out. And that's for obvious reasons when you think about who's in control of that mess. And the devil does not like the blood. He doesn't want you talking about the blood. The blood is what has the power to save us. That's where it comes from. The shedding of Christ's blood. And that that juice tonight... It's not the blood of Jesus, but it's a reminder. This is the blood which is shed for you, that we do it in remembrance of Him. But also the Lord's Supper is about remembering. It's all about remembering what Jesus did for us. Verse 25, after the same manner also He took the cup. He said, this do in remembrance of Me as oft as ye do it. He said, as oft as ye do it, do it in remembrance of Me. He said, this is something I want you to do more than once. This is something that I want you to keep doing and as often as you do it, do it remembering Me. And that's a good, that's a good thing to do. 
Absolutely nothing wrong with it. Just like we, you know, we celebrate birthdays and things for people. It's a you do it for them. It's a celebration of them. Even to this day, we still have different holidays and things on different people's birthdays who maybe affected our country in a good way and have done some great things. And we they had little traditions and things to remember those people. And that's fine. But boy, if we're going to do that kind of stuff for anybody, we ought to do it for Jesus Christ. And we do it in remembrance of Him. Also, the Lord's Supper is a testimony to the world that we are trusting in the work of Christ for salvation. Verse 26, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till He come. We're going to keep doing this until one of these days Jesus finally comes. He said in John, He said, I'm not going to eat of this bread or drink of this cup again until I drink it anew with you in heaven. One of these days, we're going to have the real Last Supper. The final Lord's Supper is going to take place. And it's going to be like the first one with Jesus Christ. Really, that picture of the Last Supper that's real famous it probably should be called the First Supper. That was the first one. And there's going to be a last one someday that we're all going to be able to be a part of. And we're going to drink that cup and we're going to eat that bread with Christ. And until But until He comes... We're going to keep doing that. And what we're doing, what we're saying to the world when they see what we are doing is it's a testimony that we're trusting in Him for salvation. Lost person comes in. Why do you eat that bread and drink that cup? You know, if you go into a lot of churches today, a lot of lost people when they go into churches, they get the idea, and it's pretty easy to understand how they get it sometimes, the people in that church, they all think that they're going to heaven just because they're something special. They all think that they're going to heaven because they're so good or because they're a member of that church or they're such good people. Well, if anything ought to put that to rest, it ought to be the Lord's Supper. Because what we're saying, when we take that fruit or that juice, and when we take that bread, we're saying that, hey, I don't deserve to go to heaven one bit. I'm going to heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We take it not not by any work I've done. But see this this cup here. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ that He shed for me because Jesus shed His blood. I can go to I can go to heaven. I can be saved because His body was broken for me. It's a it's a picture to everybody. Hey, I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did. And I tell you what, if you don't understand that, if you're thinking that you're going to heaven because of your own good works or because you're something special, I recommend you not take the Lord's Supper tonight. I recommend you not do it because you've got the wrong idea about it. You don't understand it one bit. And I just I would leave it alone because we see how important it is in this next verse. We're not a club of elites. We are a group of sinners Totally relying on Christ, and we're looking forward. Listen, we're looking forward to that day when we're not sinners anymore. But that day is not going to come until we're in heaven with Christ. That day it's not going to come until He returns. And so, in the meantime, we're going to remind ourselves of the fact that we're going to heaven because of what Jesus did for us. And so, that's it's a it's a reminder, but also it's a testimony to the world that we're expecting Him to come back. Hey, this. When when we do this, it's not like okay, you know, all right, we just St. Patrick's Day was not too long ago. How all the St. Patrick's Day traditions got started, I have no idea. All right, 
But you know, people, they wear green. Alright? To honor St. Patrick. Nobody knows what he did. You know, but uh, they, they all know, they all wear green because of him. But it's something that you that you look back, it's something that's that's all looking back. Okay? It's all looking back. But with the Lord's Supper, it's not we're not just looking back, we're also looking forward at the same time. Because hey, this is something that Jesus did way back then and he commanded us to do, but it's also something that we know that we're going to do someday. This is this is not no matter what happens. This is not the last time we're going to have the Lord's Supper. There's going to be at least one more in heaven when we have it with Jesus Christ. And it's a testimony that, hey, this, this is something we're doing. We're just kind of practicing for when we have the real one someday in heaven. We're looking forward to that day. We believe it's going to come. We're going to show the Lord's death until He comes. And then also... The Lord's Supper, it's a very serious time that's not to be taken lightly. Verse 27, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. This is not, this isn't to be taken lightly. This isn't something that uh, you just said it's not, we believe it's for saved and baptized folks. If you have not been saved, Obviously, you have not identified yourselves with Christ. When we get saved, we're calling on Him for salvation, for that gift of salvation. He gives it to us. We're going to heaven because of Him. We're not going to heaven because we're so good. We're going to heaven because of Him. We've identified ourselves with Christ when we called Him for salvation. And we've also publicly identified ourselves with Christ when we get baptized through the baptism. And... For you, for somebody who is not saved, for somebody that has not even uh, fulfilled the first step of obedience of baptism, they shouldn't be taking the Lord's Supper. It's not going to do them any good. It's something that saved people do. Alright? Okay, it's saved people taking the Lord's Supper. And somebody else going and doing something that's for saved and baptized people, it's only going to Cause them confusion. Okay, it's only going to, uh, it, it, for example, um, I guess I guess a you know way to explain it is you know in my family we've got in my family my wife Cassandra and my five kids, and that's our family. Okay, now there's some things that you know just our family. You know there it's for our there's some things we do that's for our family. It's something that's personal. And you know what? If we went and we took somebody else in that was not a part of that family, especially at a really young age, we might be able to, we could probably make them think that they were one of us. If we could also we could go kidnap some kid out there when they're really young and tell them where their parents, tell them the kids their brother and sister, if they were young enough, we could make them grow up thinking that. But are they really our kid? No. Not unless we officially adopt them. Then they can become our child. And as Christians, we've all received the spirit of adoption. And the last thing that we ought to be doing is going and telling people that they are a part of the family of God when they're not. We're only going to confuse them. We're only going to give them a false sense of security. I mean, imagine if we, you know, say Chloe, for example, she's old enough now, or even Allie. Okay, Allie, she's old enough now where, or she's, you know, she's attached. 
to her mom and her brothers and sisters and to me. And imagine though if found out, you all didn't know us when she was born, but if what if we had kidnapped her and we had stolen her? We've got her convinced that she's ours. But if it were to be found out that she was not ours, well, they would come and they would take her away, wouldn't it? And that would be devastating for her, even as just a two-year-old. And the last thing that churches ought to be doing is making people think they're saved that are not saved. That's why I think a lot of the sacraments and things that go on in some religions are just absolutely wicked. Making people think they're saved because you sprinkled them with water. Making people think they're saved because they did a confession or they or they took a communion. Giving them that false sense of security is a horrible thing to do to a person. And listen, I know that ultimately the only one that can know that you're saved is yourself and Jesus Christ. Okay, I can't know who's saved. I can't know who is not saved. I can't know that. But at the same time, as a church, we do have a responsibility to make sure that we are not making people think that they're taking it and or they're making them think they're saved when they're not. That's why as a pastor, I'm not going to baptize anybody unless they give me a testimony of their salvation. Okay, I don't have to be there when you get saved. But if somebody comes to me and says that they got saved, I'll ask them, well, you know, when did you get saved? You know, how did you get saved? What did you do? And if they say, well, I had a dream that made me feel really good and I knew I was saved, I'm not going to baptize them. Because that baptism, it might make them feel like they're saved when they're not. If they, and I don't want to do that to them. That'd be a terrible thing to do to that person. If somebody comes and, you know, says, hey, you know, I'm, uh, you know, or if they're if, you know telling me the stories, hey, I'm baptized. How'd you get baptized? I I got sprinkled. I don't want to make that person let that person go through life thinking they're okay that that was enough. That's not right. I don't care. I don't care if you got sprinkled. That's not what it's all about. Baptism. Uh, you know, if they got you know they got well, I got baptized in the Mormon church. I'm sorry. Uh, that's not the way it works. <laughs> uh, God is nowhere near that thing. And so we, um, it's very important that we realize how serious this is. And it says that uh, whosoever eat or shall drink of eat this bread or drink of this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse twenty nine, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We don't want to do that. To anybody, we don't. That's why also, you know, we that we say that this is for something that we do for the members. It's not that we think we're any more saved than any other church. Absolutely not. There's people all over and churches all over this world that are just as saved as you and I are. That are just as baptized as you and I are. We are 100% for those people. If they're going to churches preaching the word, I am 100% for them. But at the same time. I don't know, you know. I don't know all of them. I don't know their. I don't know their testimonies. And sometimes, um, I just. I want to make sure anybody that ever takes the Lord's Supper understands what it's all about. It's not just this religious experience that helps you get saved. It's not that. And ultimately, what it is. Last verse in verse twenty-eight. It's a time of examination of self-examination. But let a man examine himself. 
And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Examine yourself. In a little while, we're going to pass the the juice and the bread by. I'm not I'm not going to go up to anybody. I would never go up to somebody and say, you know what? I don't think you're saved. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I, I can trust you. I don't think you're worthy. I'm not going to do that. That's not what it is. But I think it's important that we explain what it is, and then you got to make that choice. Let a man examine himself. So what are we supposed to examine? Well, the first thing I would is examine. I think it's very important that we all think back about when we got saved. Are you saved? Are you on your way to heaven? Oh, that—that's not that makes me uncomfortable. Why? Shouldn't tell you what if that's something you're not sure about. I get that taken care of pretty quick. I get sure real quick. I would. That's so important. It's the most important thing in all of the world. Examine yourself. Well, you know why? If we're already saved. Well, just just keep doing it. There's been people that had been going to church and thought they were saved for years and years and years, and later realized that they weren't, and they've gotten saved. Sometimes I've heard of preachers getting saved, and pastors' wives getting saved after years in the ministry. They realized they weren't saved. Jesus said, "There'll be many in that day that shall say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name, and Thy name cast out devils, and in Thy name done many wonderful works?" And He'll say to them, "Depart from me. I never knew you." God wasn't in that one bit. They thought they thought they were. They missed something. They missed something. They their salvation. I don't know what it was. The Bible doesn't even say. The Bible just says God never knew them. Why is that? Well, if they didn't get saved the Bible way, they weren't saved. Think about it. Think about that time when when you were saved. Uh, think about when you got baptized. Think about your life right now. Hey, how are things? between me and God right now. I'm supposed to be doing this until He comes. Am I right with Him right now? Is my heart right with God? If the Lord came... There's there's people right now, hopefully there's nobody like this in here, but maybe next Sunday somebody's going to be here. <laughs> I know nobody in here would be like this. They're going to be here. where There's people out there if all of a sudden they found if that person showed up in church... They've got so much bitterness in their heart, they'd get up and leave. Because they hate that person. They're angry that things aren't right between them. There's some people right now all over this world sitting in churches that things aren't right between them and Christ one bit. If they knew Christ was going to return tomorrow, it would scare them to death. Because they're not ready to meet Him. Maybe they haven't talked to Him in years. They haven't prayed. They've showed up at church because it's what they got to do to keep the family off their back. But right now, things aren't right. This is a time of self-examination. And we need, we need to remember them. Lord's Supper, we do it in, in remembrance. He said, this do in remembrance of Me. Is there anything between you and the Savior right now? Are you saved? Are you saved? Why are you asking? You trying to make me doubt? I no, I would not want to make anybody doubt their salvation. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying we need to ask ourselves that on a regular basis. And the Lord's Supper is a time where we do that. So let's all stand together right now with our heads bowed and eyes closed.